You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by SunWiz, makers of PV cell software, and Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy in One Step Off the Grid and the new EV website, thedriven.io. Please go there if you haven't already. Joining me as usual is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. How are you, Nigel? Good day, Giles. Uh, very excited. Very, very excited. All what energy day? is almost upon us and it's um, the buzz is in the air. Very Look, exciting. all energy is the big event, isn't it, on the calendar for the solar industry? Um, it's huge. Yes. And, yes. I, I, and we, I mean, it's always hard to tell, but I've got a suspicion that this year could well be a real cracker because, you know, there's just so much going on. Everyone's kind of buoyant. The market's really, really busy. So it, these kind of, in years like this, it either goes, it goes one of either two ways. One, everyone's too busy to go. So it's low numbers or um, otherwise, you know, everyone's bulked up and they've got some money to spend. So they, they take their staff and get their staff down there to educate them and everyone has a good time. So it's more so, than just a piss up in a recovery session? Well, you know, the networking is <laughs> You don't sound too convincing Charles. about that, i got to say. <laughs> <laughs> the ne- you know, everyone, everyone's looking for something different in these events. I, I, there are so many good speeches, and I've, we'll talk about it in a minute, but um, there are so many good things to listen to and, and looking through the agenda. It's, it's really cool, and I'd love to be at all of them. But I just know I never, A, get off my booth, or B, get off the show floor because there are so many great conversations to have out there. I just that's where I really um, uh, that's what I love most about it to be honest and, and the great thing is that you're actually going to have your um, well look let, let's just let, let's just go in a little bit of, of, of what we're doing we'll go back into some of the other sections later yeah. because we're talking about it now we are going to have a podcast a recording of the um, the Renew Economy podcasts um, on the first day, around about lunchtime, it's going to go for an mm-hmm. hour, um, an hour and a bit. Um, mm-hmm. It's got you, it's got me, it's got David Leach has flown back from Europe specially for this. Um, Fabulous. From Energy and Glenn, Insiders. And Glenn Morelli from, from Tindo Solar too. And Simon Corbell, the, um, Simon Corbell. the former ACT minister and um, now Renewable Energy Advisor to the Victorian Government. So we'll have a panel of five. Um, we'll be sort of um, carrying on for a bit and then we're going to invite <laughs> questions from the floor, I hope. so. I, I hope so, yeah. That's yes. Theatre 2, right? on the expo floor at 1.15. Um, you know better than me, but um, yep, yes, so look, the whole thing will probably get going about 1.30. Um, so look, it should be good, but I think you've got your own, um, you're taking your microphone down there, so you might be doing a few on-the-spot interviews at the booth if everyone's got, if everyone wants to be famous. <laughs> well, you know, what, what, we're, what we're doing, we've got a film crew um, who's going to be trotting around doing all sorts of footage and we've got a few sessions booked with people to come in and talk to us about things and really what we're looking, we want to hear people's stories, Giles, that's, that's the aim, is um, obviously we want to make some great content, we want to provide some content to people along, who come along and tell us their story, so we've got a bunch of questions that, that we'll... Um, uh, that we'll pose to people about what's going on, what their business is, what they think's coming up, what's big, what's exciting, all those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, so we'll be doing that from our booth um, throughout the course of the first day and then uh, maybe some, some audio podcasting on the second day as well. So lots of opportunity, love to hear people's stories and, and um, yeah, can't wait. 
Cool. Look, we'll get back into some of the other highlights of the um, All Energy Conference um, later in this program. First, just a bit of, bit of news around the place. Look, it hasn't been a huge amount, but look, something that's been a bit um, that the industry wants to keep a lookout for, and mm. that's a couple of councils getting their backs up about some solar um, installations, both large scale and small scale. Hmm. Now, um, if you go back a while, you may remember that the ACT government had to shift one of its large-scale solar plants um, in the ACT. It was going to be next to... Next to a little town, right? Yeah, Uriara yeah. Crossing. That's um, right. Which I remember as a kid, going down and having picnics down there. And um, the locals got a bit anti and were worried mm. about glare and um, all mm. sorts of different things. And I'm not too sure whether it was handled well by the developer, but um, it was moved and mm -hmm. went somewhere completely different. So that was interesting. Now I just read in the local paper, uh, the standard down in Victoria, that the Karangamite Shire Council has just voted six to nothing or eight to nothing, or what, in, unanimously in any case, to reject a planning proposal for a 150 megawatt solar farm down there um, proposed by the UK group Infinergy. Now, what's kind of interesting there is that, um, look, there's a bit of, look, you, you just don't know what's happened. You don't know whether the developers have gone, gone about it the right way. You don't know mm -hmm. what some of the things are. But, but some of the comments are pretty extraordinary. Obviously, there's a few antis down there who don't like renewables, think the sky, in, sky will fall in once the renewable energy target stops giving out subsidies. And there was even an article in the paper last week um, in the Standard saying that um, this should, thing should be knocked down because it's going to heat up our um, crops, our citrus crops, having solar panels in a paddock will <sighs> cause great warmth and basically boil the grapes, I think. Mm -hmm. So that's a bit of a worry. Um, but look, this is not an isolated incident. Um, it's not. Urana in New South Wales. Now, people might remember this town as the one that was selected by the New South Wales government to um, work out a pathway to zero emissions. Now, um, another mob have come in there with a, a proposal for a big um, solar farm about 20 kilometres outside the town, but within the, um, within the local council area, and there's big pushback against that. And I should also mention that in Tamworth, Barnaby Joyce's electorate, they actually um, did approve a, um, a one megawatt, or not quite one megawatt in the end, installation of yeah. rooftop solar. On all the council buildings, right? On all the council buildings, except yeah. for one, because the council decided it would not be appropriate to have the solar on this building, um, which is an mm. interesting one. And that mm. reminds me of the Collie Shire Council over in Western Australia. And I can't remember whether we talked about this at the time, but they voted... Um, Collie is the last town with any coal-fired generators in WA. It's got this ancient clunker of a um, generator called Mooja. And, um, and the local council has been quite dependent on coal. And they voted... Um, the local council people put up this plan and sort of said, look, if we invest in solar, we're going to save a lot of money. It's going to save $600,000. It means we won't have to put up the rates. And the council actually voted against it because they thought it would be a bad look if they supported solar and didn't support coal. So, mm -hmm. um, so look, it, 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 it shows how difficult it is out there for a whole variety of reasons. But, but, but I remember learning years ago uh, from some really, really great professionals how critical community engagement is and you know when you see people who 
do these large-scale projects really well, um, they have, um, you know, an intense focus on pre-project community engagement. You know, like anybody, no one wants something to happen in their backyard or next door to their home if they don't really understand what's going on. And so, so much of it is about having someone who is just a really good communicator, will listen to the stakeholders and the community members around them and and really genuinely take into account and make adjustments to their plan and show that they're listening and show that they're not just going to come and shove this thing down their throat. And and I think the, the, the rush... Uh, that we have on right now is um, is maybe part of the problem that we've got here that people are trying so hard to get these projects through um, that they're maybe skimping a bit on the community engagement. Hard to pick, but that that's what it might that's what it appears like, right? Yeah. Look, I don't know whether it was, um, that's the case with these individual projects, but certainly what we do hear from the industry is that there's been a bit of a land grab going on about that out there yeah. and basically what some developers have been doing is going out and sort of conceptually saying well, okay we're going to build a 150 megawatt solar farm here and then we're going to tell the um the local network about it and it's all about sort of not so much grabbing space on the land but also sort of grabbing space on the network because then it will puts them in a certain part of the queue when the network starts allocating yes. decisions and um yeah and, and yep, so yep. I think there's a bit of that going on. Um, you know, the last episode we had, we talked about, um, you know, in our crap solar episode um, segment um, about, you know, some of the dodgy business happening out of the solar Victoria one. Um, well, mm. Sophie uh, Vorath followed up for one step on the grid last week, um, talked to the solar Victoria people and just, you know, there's quite a clear warning there about sort of, you know, scammers out there going around um, giving misinformation about this um, rooftop solar thing. So... I guess in any part of the industry, in any time there's any sort of great developments, there's going to be opportunists out there. And um, um, they should be called out because um, they're bad for the whole industry. Yeah, I think uh, there's a way to get it right, clearly. There's a way to get it right. It involves a little bit more time, a little bit more money. Um, and um, you know, some projects just won't ever get up. Uh, and that's that's you know people are going to fight to get their projects up if they think they've got a good case for it and makes sense and some will get up some won't and and um, the key is you know do them properly. Yeah, absolutely. Now look, I'm not usually partial to a pub, but a, a, a plug. Sorry, a pub or a plug, a pug, a plug, a plug. <laughs> Um, but Solar Analytics is a sponsor of this um, podcast, along with PV Cell, um, Warwick Johnson down in Sunwills, and um, his uh, wonderful software. Um, but you guys at Solar Analytics are making an announcement along with Enphase. Tell us what it is. You have mm. 90 seconds. Oh, okay. So <laughs> the very short version is we have convinced Enphase um, to... Uh, do a pilot project with us whereby we will take data from Enphase uh, equipped solar systems in New South Wales in a, in a pilot trial and we will take that data and put it into our dashboard. Um, what that enables Enphase customers to do is to get access to the analytics to some of the more advanced features that we have available through our dashboard. Enphase have been really generous and have added some sweeteners in. We've got a great deal as part of it and the idea is for us to test our relationship together and see if we can really add value for Enphase customers through our dashboard. We're obviously hugely excited. Enphase have been, you know, masters of data around the world. And it's, so it's hugely exciting to get this little vote of confidence, um, albeit for a pilot trial. So we've got to we've got to demonstrate our capability now. Is that 90 seconds? Oh, look, that's about yeah. it. But look, um, it's interesting. <laughs> that's that's though, the nuts and bolts that, of it. Mm. That, they seem to be very good at data, but they seem to like your visualization. Is that, is, is that the key here? 
Yeah, I think the visualisation certainly, um, you know, really one of the differences is that, you know, this is all we do. And, and so, you know, we're very, very focused on it. And the algorithmic stuff and the automated stuff and some of the more advanced technical stuff, some of the remote um, troubleshooting that we can do and some of the remote connection stuff that we can do. Their technical guys were quite happy with that because it means we can fix some problems. So, yeah, look, it's it's um, uh, it's hugely exciting. We're really delighted. Enphase are doing some great stuff. So we're, um, we're getting ready to roll it out. So we'll be looking for New South Wales installers very, very soon who want to participate in the pilot so get in touch excellent 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 good stuff well mate look let's get back to the all energy conference um mm. now i'm going to give another bit of a um it's only a bit sort of promotional but um you're speaking i'm allowed i'm going to allow you to sort of talk about that but um i'm also speaking two things well there's the podcast thing which i mentioned before i'm also mm-hmm. chairing a session the opening session on uh, electric vehicles which has been hosted oh, by the electric vehicle council yeah. oh lucky you i can't make it to that session i was I was so disappointed. You, we, you can well, tell me all about it go. on the next podcast. Look, it, um, <laughs> look, I will. I will. Um, but it's good. Look, it also gets, gives me the chance to sort of um, talk about the driven um, uh, yes. electric vehicle website. So that'll be good. Um, and uh, look, I, I guess some of the politicians in the morning um, will be interesting to talk to. Uh, there's Lily D'Ambrosio, who's yep. just about to go into election mode um, with their election Adam. coming up. Um, there's yep. Adam Bant from the Greens. One yep. noticeable cancellation is the Federal Energy Minister. So it was going to be Josh Frydenberg, but I noticed that um, the new Energy Minister, Angus Taylor, is a no-show. Hmm, that's a bit disappointing. That's a bit disappointing, isn't it? There you go. Isn't it? Mm. Now, you're going to be talking too, aren't you? Yes. What about? Yep. Uh, what am I doing? I'm in the solar. Ma- the CEC runs a solar masterclass series, um, which is which is really kind of installer focused stuff. There's a real nice mix um, of of topics on the agenda, all around running businesses, dealing with the challenge of run- operating solar businesses. A lot of technical focus. Um, but they came to me uh, a little while ago and said, "Hey, listen, we've got this idea to do this thing called a standoff, where what we do is we put manufacturers of the same type of equipment on the stage and we have a debate about." Um, uh, um, you know, who, whose equipment offers advantages or disadvantages. And so, you know, we're all put on the spot. There's no script. Um, we get to um, have a little talk and then get drummed by the audience and, um, you know, see how we go. So it's effectively going to be a, a kind of a live standoff, a live debate between manufacturers. Notably, in the, in the section that I'm in, which is a, the monitoring standoff, um, there were four companies invited and only two have actually uh, decided to come to the podium. Uh, uh, solar analytics being one and carbon track being the other so at the moment it looks like it's just a standoff between us Uh, I hope the other two do decide to come because um, it'll be fun and be a great opportunity for us all to uh, to talk about the, the the merits and or otherwise of our products. Okay, and look, it looks like blockchain and virtual power plants and microgrids are going to be a bit of a feature um, all across the show. Actually, I mean, there's actually about eight different streams. It's going to be hard to keep up with most of it. I know. As I was skimming the agenda this afternoon, I was trying to pick out the bits that I thought, oh, that's the one I've got to go to. You know, that's one I've got to go to. And um, yeah, I saw um, uh, there's peer to peer blockchain and VPP. Um, in room 218, the boss is doing a, a thing there uh, on our peer-to-peer work so far. We've signed up our peer, first peer-to-peer customers, by the way, on our pilot. Um, so our first people are signed up and we're getting ready to roll out the pilot trial there. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, yeah, and the, the, there is so much going on. The real challenge is which ones do you go to, right? The other ones that looked interesting to me, the EV sessions, there's lots of sessions on energy storage, 
Um, there's some really good panel sessions in the morning. Um, I also did notice um, uh, in the afternoon on day one, um, where have I got it here? Um, uh, the, oh, there's a session on positive disruption in the space. And amongst other people, a great panel there, and amongst others, Hugh and Hugesteger, who's usually quite controversial. He's usually got some pretty, pretty pointed things to say, usually quite interesting. That would be good. That's room 218. Um, yeah, so tons to, tons to go along to, mate. It's interesting because a lot of these things are really about the next stage in this sort of, as you call it, the, the, the disruption and, and, mm. and, and the shift to, to renewables. And basically, you know, how do we harness all the rooftop solar and the battery storage and the sort of the models yep. that are going to be used to, to, to play with that? So, you know, you sort of start off with the basics of actually having the sort of the best performing solar panels, the battery storage, the best analytics mm. and the best visualization. Mm. And then you just have your peer to peer trading, your sharing, and your blockchain and your virtual mm. power plants. And, mm. um, Interesting stuff. It's sort of almost as though we're sort of heading to the next stage of this um, this evolution or revolution. It's true, and and of course, you know, that's all, this is all the 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 presentations are always excellent to get into the the nitty gritty of some of these things. But when you get out on the floor of the expo, that's where you see the real products. And I happen to know of, of at least three manufacturers who are going to be announcing or showing new products um, that they're um, launching. This is always a launch pad for for the next generation of products. So there are several big announcements coming up. Um, We've got some new products on our stands that people might like to see as well that will be coming along to the market very, very shortly. So it's a great opportunity to, to just get out there and see what's coming down, um, coming down the chute. Good stuff, yes. And as we mentioned before, um, our podcast extravaganza at lunchtime Mm. on the first day and um, bring along a question. Mm, mm. And of course, the functions, uh, Joel, you can't, you know, it's not all about, you know, sitting in a room listening to PowerPoint presentations or visiting booths. It's, it's, there are some good functions to go to. Um, uh, I don't know if you'd picked up on the fact that on the day before the event, there are actually two events which are shaping out to be quite significant. The Solar Cutters, um, which is a kind of an online collaboration of solar installers, enthusiastic about keeping the quality standards of the industry up, has grown. There are more than 400 registered for that event on the day before Jeez. the conference even starts. So, you know, um, that's going to be quite something. And I believe there might be some announcements and, and speeches there. There's some awards that they're going to give out for people who've been uh, contributing to the industry, I believe. That's a cracker. And then prior to that, I know uh, one of one of the country's leading solar wholesalers, supply partners, they've got a big event. They've got big announcements they're making. Um, so there's two events beforehand. Then on the... Wednesday night, um, uh, Solar Juice, one of the other huge, big, great wholesalers uh, in the market, they've got their annual big shebang, which I'm sure everyone will be at, and I'm sure there'll be other events on it as well. So it's a great opportunity to you know let your hair down after working hard all day and and network and get to know all sorts of people. There's always new people to meet. There's old faces to uh, to um, uh, to see as well. So um, you mm. know, I, I encourage everyone who's going to save a little bit of energy up. For the functions in the evening, because that's where uh, that's where the magic happens. <laughs> uh, except for uh, renew economy, it should be hard work preparing stories for your newsletter the next day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm old, so I'm usually in bed by ten thirty. So okay. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> just hold it there. Actually, something's funny just got happened here. Um, Eighteen fifty. I'll just note that down. Can you hear me? Okay now. Yep, sounds okay. good to me. Oh, okay. I just we might just have an internet moment here. Okay. 
Let's move on to some other news. Look, I was fascinated to this little bit of information about the hurricane that just went through um, North America. Um, mm. I saw a um, look a couple of weeks beforehand. There was an interesting picture. Did you send that to me? The one about all the gas explosions in Boston and um, about this whole no. house just ripped apart and its solar panels were still on top, which tells you something <laughs> about um, it's an interesting um, juxtaposition. But mm. um, tell me what happened with a hurricane and and uh, and um, and rooftop solar because we know yeah. well we know for a start that all the uh, nuclear plants in the area had to close down. Um, they basically switched off so they had no um, unforeseen events. Mm -hmm. um, some of them were sort of flooded and surrounded but obviously had no issues because they were already shut down. But um, mm -hmm. give, us, give us a solid report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and it was out of it was off the tail of one of the reports about nuclear and energy in general, actually, where this came up, and they were saying, you know, are the nuclear plants really prepared for the flooding so that we can avoid another Fukushima? And what have they been doing? And then it sort of flipped and said, well, what's interesting is it's in Duke Energy is the incumbent uh, network company, I guess the equivalent is, or, or retailer perhaps. Um, but they've yeah, got it's, quite it's, a bit it's, of stuff. It's the old utility. They, um, in, in, yeah. I, I think over there, they own, they own the network and they do the re. Um, no, no, they, they do, do the both. generation. They do. Yeah, both anyway. generation as well. Yeah, I'll right. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so they've got they um they they talked about what they'd been up to, and they had forty large scale sites that they de-energized. Um, they were able to adjust the pitch. A lot of them were clearly on trackers and stuff, so they adjust their angles. They tied everything down. They de-energized the whole site waited for the storm to pass and basically as soon as the storm passed and they were able to get out um, they were able to just switch them all back on um, so there was no damage no no notable damage and they were all up and generating very very rapidly as soon as the storm was through which is obviously a real benefit because at times like that you need that energy flowing into the system while there's a whole lot of disaster recovery work going on um, but the sign the signs are really good there's still more work to do um, it's they also uh, in this report noted that the rooftop solar installations also fared really well out of about 800 customers that duke energy has of its own on residential only six out of them had reported problems so you know fantastic result that all those customers again could be injecting power back into the network um, uh, very very quickly after such a major storm had gone through this also got me thinking giles that we've had a similar scenario here in australia um the Sunshine Coast Solar Farm, you remember that? Yes, I do. So Sunshine Coast um, Solar Farm um, first started being talked about, cripes, must be five, six years ago. Um, I was actually involved on the fringes just a tiny bit as one of, the, uh, one of many consultants who were helping to um, evaluate some of the uh, concepts that were being put up and how they were going to trade the energy and what kind of logistics they were going to have to deal with. And the site that they picked was a really tricky site because it was an old sugarcane um, uh, site um, and, and it was very flood prone like a lot of the sugarcane sites are. And so the technical specification on the installation was extremely rigorous. In fact, everything had to be up above the 100 or 150 year flood line. And lo and behold, um, somewhere between six and 12 months after the installation was complete, 15 megawatts went on, the site flooded. And it occurred to me the other day that when I read this story about what had happened uh, with Duke Energy that I hadn't heard anything and, and, and wondered, I had seen some photos online of the site underwater and hadn't heard, had they survived? Had it, had, was it back online? Had they suffered catastrophic damage? 
jumped on the Sunshine Coast Solar Farm website. There's a live monitor where you can see the output of the system in all manner of ways, uh, fairly basic generation data, nothing really sophisticated. But what you could see is A, the site had survived, B, the site was online, C, the site was generating um, what looked like very, very respectable and, and appropriate amounts of energy. So international example of how robust solar can be even in cyclonic conditions and locally even in flood prone flood prone sites if you get the engineering right you deal with good contractors you get the tech right get the spec right um, you can survive floods without any trouble and get that power back online so really nice examples of actually how robust solar is and how helpful solar can be in these types of situations and not forgetting in heat waves too and um, let's cast our mind back to um, just over a year ago now in February when the heat waves came through then and all the coal and gas generators fell over but rooftop solar played a critical role in um, keeping the lights on in um, New South Wales. Um, interesting Indeed. also, um, tomorrow is the second anniversary of the big blackout in uh, South Australia, so it should be interesting to see what mainstream media come up with. Mm. We're going to do our little think piece. Um, last week I had a good look through the NEOIN prospectus and found out some wonderfully interesting details about the Tesla big battery. Um, one, just sort of confirming how much it actually cost to build, confirming what its contract was with the South Australian government, and also mm. confirming what it is that it's actually managed to earn in its first six months, and it was fascinating to see some of the details there playing a lot in the fcas markets but um it looks really good doesn't it it's stacking up really really well well it's stacking up really well and, and one of the points i'm going to make in the article that I've, I'm, I'm doing for this is that if you actually go back just a year or even six months before it came online no one actually thought it would do what it could possibly do even aemo had just sort of said oh well battery storage is 20 years away and re reproduced a document saying that the biggest array or installation you could probably do is one megawatt well of course the tesla big battery was 100 megawatts and 129 megawatt hours and um to give aemo some sort of credit this was before audrey zibman turned out uh, out but um t t turned up to uh, take control of the organization um and it's look it's just performed fantastically it's been faster mm. quicker smarter and more flexible than anyone has um could have imagined um aemo mm. sing its praises now mm. use it as part of their frontline defenses in case there are major um shutdowns of the uh grids and the interconnectors and one of those happened mm. a couple of weeks ago that's right down in south australia they used it very successfully again didn't they yeah well the lightning strikes actually happened up in queensland and new south wales and knocked out the two main in in lines into from new south wales into queensland twin lightning mm -hmm. strikes on two adjacent lines quite unusual um, this was um, about 24 hours after Morrison became Prime Minister and um, the big battery that he compared to the big banana actually did wonderfully well and um, kept everything absolutely shipshape in South Australia, no incidents at all, no outages, no generators spinning off, whereas you had massive load shedding in New South Wales, Victoria and Tasmania and you had a couple of generators spin off in Queensland because they couldn't cope with a sudden change in frequency. Mm. Really, really interesting. So um, mm. that would be it's, worth it's, looking at. It's great, it, it, you know. It's a, it's such, it's so great that we've got that down here in Australia, and that we're getting to be, you know, the guinea pigs on that side. In, in oh, a, in we're what not is... just guinea pigs. It's better than that. It's not just. <laughs> I don't like. I don't like the expression um, guinea pigs. Um, look, just on that, there's going to be the, another battery just about to come online, the Dalrymple North Battery, which is down oh, at yes. York Peninsula. 
Um, yep. It's not a Tesla oh, battery. Ox. It's a Samsung. Oh, well, I'm not too sure about that now. Um, but oh. it's owned by Electronet and will be used by AGL. And last week they had a practice of actually islanding the whole um, the whole peninsula. So if there's outages elsewhere, they can just basically island it from the substation and just use the local wind and solar no to way. provide power with the battery storage. And the Ganawara um, battery storage plant, which is paired with the Ganawara solar farm mm -hmm. and will be the biggest battery storage paired with a solar farm in the world when it comes on, that's due to start commissioning in the next week. So, wow. all pretty exciting. And there's another three or four battery storage things happening after that. So, that is the next phase of the development in large-scale renewables and um, all pretty exciting. It is, and I wouldn't. I, I, I will not be surprised. In fact, a, a little, a little birdie did tell me there are going to be some cool announcements about storage and storage products that are coming onto the market to help um, to help accelerate uh, what's going on out there. And it's great to see a whole lot of manufacturers stepping up with interesting new products. So there's there's going to be some good new stuff coming too. If you are a manufacturer and you've got a press release that you want to release in all energy. Can you please do me a favour and send it to me under embargo? I respect the embargo, but just imagine I'm sitting there at All Energy and all of a sudden I get these dozen press releases coming into my inbox all at once. How many of them do you think I can write all at one time? Yeah. So think carefully about that. Send it to me under embargo and I can get it ready and prepared and um, be able to write a story about it. Otherwise, there'll be no complaining. Yep, yep, yep. That, that's a good tip. That's a good tip. I've seen you at those conferences. You don't have a spare minute, that's for sure. Well, you tell me about how it was wonderful to go down there and meet people and say hello to people. I haven't got, I haven't got a second to be nice to anyone. <laughs> well, we'll, um, we'll just feed you with coffee and then uh, nice wine in the evening. No, nah, then I go on to one of those things and then I stagger back to the hotel and start typing upside down on my laptop and uh, all gets very untidy. Um, speaking, speaking of crazy things, solar freaking roadways. Oh, did you read that piece? We published a piece about that. Yes, we did. Not such now, a did great you see idea. The, no. Well, did you see the output um, and the prices? And after one year of this French one, now that um, you know, it's not really, um, it's not really proving itself to be hugely practical, shall we say? Look, I'm not too sure. I'm really surprised that some people promoted it and got it ex ex excited about it as um, mm. as they did. I mean, it just looked mm. to me like a pretty dumb idea. Mm. Um, you don't get much yield out of them. No, very um, low, about about a quarter, less than a quarter of the worst place in Australia. Yes. So very, very, very low output. And Guess 14 what, times the price. Because lots of roads have actually got cars on them. Mm -hmm. um, yes, um, price is hopeless and, um, yeah, jeez, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. N never no. such a bright idea. That's put that a, in the folly bucket. Put that in the folly bucket. <laughs> and look, a very brief segue, or what's the most important electric vehicle story you've noted in the last week or so? Oh, well, I thought this was interesting. Just go back a day um, or two, and I, I picked up a little article somewhere um, where I didn't, and I didn't even realise this, that the first ever crude, as they called it, electric car was made by a Scottish inventor, Robert Anderson, in 1832, believe it or not. Very, very basic thing. It followed on from some um, work not long before that on the electric motor and lead-acid batteries. And this guy was a, obviously a very enthusiastic inventor and built a crude car. And then in 1835, a guy by the name of Thomas Davenport made um, a sort of practical version of a manufacturable version of the first electric vehicle. So the first electric vehicle was in fact built in 1835. The first ever petrol car was built in 1885. 50 years later, hmm. right? Stunning so, to think about. 
it's amazing to think that they that electric cars were actually being built before petrol powered cars before they even existed um so you know for all the naysayers out there um it's um you know the electric vehicle uh, history is um is is there it exists right we should tell Craig Kelly that. This technology is 200 years old, Craig. It's actually okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, Craig, Craig, Craig. Craig, 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 Craig. Crap solar. Can I do some quick crap solar? Oh, I'll do a very quick crap solar. Okay. Three very quick bits of advice. Three, three lessons on crap solar this week. Number one, don't screw your, screw your solar installer down on price. Or it can bite you. And here's how. Recently, three company, three Victorian solar companies were fined for basically safety breaches. There were some workers injured in some cases. There were some who weren't injured, but they were just picked up by work. So those companies were fined anywhere between twenty-five and seventy-six thousand dollars, right? Which is almost enough to send a small solar enough to send a small solar company under. And a big solar company is going to be really hurt by it. So if you screw your installer down and force them to cut corners, this is the type of thing that can come back and bite you because they can end up going bust. That's number one. It's not worth the risk. Get compliant. Uh, number two, just a reminder to everyone out there, there are still photos of burnt out solar isolators um, occasionally appearing on the net, still far too regularly. A reminder to consumers and to installers, there have been solar isolators recalled. The recalls are all years old now, but those those isolators in some cases are still out there. They need to be removed. And if you're a solar owner, do check whether you're um, whether you're affected by that. Uh, thirdly, and if lastly- If you're a solar owner, how would you know? Mm-hmm. You would have to go back to your installer and ask them. Um, you could uh, uh, you could look at the brand names and do a Google search, and you will find recall notices by brand name, and there should be model types. It's all been formally uh, put up on the net, um, so you can, if you're keen, and you can get access to your isolators, you can go by brand name and model number. Yeah, cool. Uh, lastly, uh, just another warning. Warnings uh, that you, you mentioned earlier. There've been several newspaper articles about scammers in Victoria and South Australia, uh, leveraging off both the battery schemes and the solar schemes. Um, there were very specific warnings. Them warnings. Um, you do not need to pay anybody a deposit to ensure your place in the queue. Don't be misled by that. Um, uh, so there are a number of um, door knockers and um, call centers who are out there aggressively telling people, you've got to sign up or else you're not going to get in the scheme. So sign up now and send me your money and blah, blah, blah. Scams, um, do your due diligence. Don't be forced into anything. And if in doubt, check on the government websites that are uh, gradually getting more and more filled with, uh, with information and content. Good stuff, Nigel. Thanks for that, very much for that. And uh, look, that's a um, that's a bit of a wrap, um, I reckon. And um, look, um, we'll see everyone at um, at All Energy uh, All Energy next week. It should yep. be good. Um, and um, look forward to that podcast. And look forward to the various presentations and. Um, and so, t-shirts. Tell, don't forget, listeners, t-shirts. if you're after a t-shirt, come and see us. We've got some uh, Solar Insiders t-shirts. Solar Insiders t-shirts. That's amazing. It's where we're going to make that 40 million bucks. Remember? That 40 million bucks? Oh, I forgot about the 40 million. Oh. <laughs> it's the grand plan. It's a lot of T-shirts to get through, Charles. Not that many. <laughs> okay, look, Great. thanks to our sponsors again, um, Solar Analytics and SunWiz, um, PV Cell. Uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget we've got some other podcasts, the Energy Insiders podcast and the Driven podcast on electric vehicles. Our interviewee this week is Simon Hackett on that one. But look, we'll be back again next week. We'll post the um, our All Energy um, Wonder Experience and um, we'll talk again in a fortnight. Bye for now. 
Solar Insiders was brought to you by Sunwiz, makers of PVCell software that gives retailers the tools to stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar consultancy. Solar Insiders is also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.